Sofa with Victoria, where authors and industry insiders discuss everything from serial killers to series fiction. I'm Victoria Selman, author of the Zebra McKenzie Criminal Profiler series, and each fortnight I'll be unpicking the latest trends and themes in crime fiction with a panel of household names and rising stars. Today, I'm on the sofa with best-selling authors and masters of suspense, Lisa Jewell, Mark Edwards, and Louise Candish, to discuss how to build tension and suspense in crime fiction. Welcome, guys. Thanks for joining me today. Hi. 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 <laughs> hello, hello. <laughs> Lisa, am I right? You started off writing rom-coms, didn't you? Albeit with quite dark themes. What, oh, what made well, yes. you? Yes. Well, yes. <laughs> A long time ago now, 19 novels. Through, Thank you for pointing pointing that out that they did have dark <laughs> themes. Um, yeah, no, I just started writing my first novel in 1996, and I had intended it to be um, a psychological thriller uh, inspired by the Collector. That's that was kind of where I was going with it, and my characters just kept falling in love with each other and just <laughs> sort of, <laughs> and, I, and nothing dark ever happened in it. I think it was just the sort of product of where I was at in, at that point in my life and yeah. the sort of. And yeah, that was just, you know, you always, the writers always say you can only write the book that you can write. And that was a book yes. that I wrote um, because it was a big hit. Obviously, then my publishers wanted me to do some more of those nice romantic comedies. So yeah, that was the first sort of six books of my career. It was six that, was books, was it? that was Ralph's Party. Wasn't that was it, Ralph's Party. One? Yes, I wrote yeah. about yeah five or six romantic comedies before I started leaving, leaving the relationships behind. Just getting, just getting dark. And what, what yeah. made you do that? What prompted? Because I mean, they're really, they're oh, really successful. Oh, you just, just different stage of life, different. Yeah, well, it was, it was actually, yeah. So they were successful, but they were becoming diminishingly less successful. Okay. And I realised that I was in a position in my career where I could start taking some risks because mm. once you're not selling the huge amounts, then yes. the, the, the the glaring spotlight of your publisher comes off you slightly, which can be a bit disconcerting. Yes. When you've had it on you, and then you realise it's going, but it also can give you. It can be quite liberating because I just yes. think they're not they're not necessarily expecting anything in particular. I can kind of start trying to push the boundaries a bit. So I just yeah. every single book, I just moved further away from relation romantic relationships and further towards family dramas. Yes. And then and then moved away from family dramas and into killing people and just did it very gradually and incrementally over lots and lots and lots of books and yes. many years. So, yeah. Um, has it taught you? I mean, I, I actually struggle always with the romantic side of my books. Not that I write <laughs> romances, but sometimes there's that element, isn't there? Did you did you learn from from? I mean, you must have done from from writing romance, sort of. Then, well, to... absolutely, absolutely. And in fact, writing psychological thrillers, I'm finding increasingly easier than writing the romantic comedies because um, I know how to write relationships. I know yes. how to bring people to life on the page because in a romantic comedy, yeah, kind of. You haven't got the nuts and bolts. You haven't got the sort of toolkit mm. to work with. And it's much more, it, it's harder in a way to keep everything on track and kind of work out what it is that you're trying to do beyond boy meets girl, boy loses girl, boy gets girl back. Yes. Um, but so once you've got all those skills in your skill set and then you get the toolkit of psychological thrillers yes. where you've got a puzzle to put together, yes. it almost makes it easier because you already know how to do the, the first bit. And, uh, you just yeah. flesh out and you're right on you I mean that's that's the thing about romance I guess it's all about the character I'm thinking about normal people for example I mean it's it almost didn't matter what happened we were just so intrigued by the characters in it 
So I guess if you, you know, and that's what makes a crime novel really yes. come to life. Not exactly. Just so if, if, you, if you're good at writing books where nothing happens <laughs> and people still want to read them, then you're going to be, I think, really good at writing a book where <laughs> You heard it here first, happen. guys. Yeah. Double whammy. <laughs> I mean, exactly. I think that that's, that's what makes Lisa's book so good is that yeah. the voice... And I would I would just read your books if nothing happened in them because I just love reading the voice. Yeah. And the fact that lots does happen in them and it's very tense and very exciting is it's like a kind of cherry on the top. Oh, thanks. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely the the chemistry of the characters. I think that's what's nailed in the romantic comedies. And as you say, mm. they um, you know, the chemistry is is enough to sustain a reader's interest. So if they yeah. if you have them running through woods and you know discovering bodies as well, yeah. It, um, it's an amazing combination. So I think, you know, you do get some traditional thrillers where it's all plot yes. and you sometimes will struggle with, with um, the kind of, you know, naming no names and I actually can't, can't think of any author in particular, but where yes. it's all plot. Um, and, you know, when you get that combination of fantastic relationships and, you know, real chemistry mm. and the suspense of yeah. the thriller plot. It's and you have to, but you have to mm. avoid the whole kind of, I don't know, 80s move thriller movie thing where the the guy ends up falling into bed with the girl oh, in chapter yes. 30 or whatever like, yes. I don't know, like in uh name any michael douglas yeah. movie that was yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the raven haired bt yeah. Oh, yeah yes yeah who becomes the accomplice <laughs> exactly but yeah. your books are almost in some ways I mean obviously character is huge for your books too uh Louise but in a way also it's the anti-chemistry isn't it I mean thinking of you know sort of the the, the arguments on the street the neighbors that are causing problems which all sort of adds a adds a tension suspense of its own of course doesn't it yeah no absolutely my yeah. my books are, are full of dislikable characters and you know even within the marriages and the friendships there's always dysfunctional stuff going on and um and as you say the sort of anti-chemistry so you know they're they're maybe a bit bleaker um in their personal relationships than than Lisa's are yeah. um but it is but it's this it's exactly the same thing and and I also began with writing much lighter books and again okay. with dark themes yes. and um and so um I, it's a really similar trajectory Mm. Um, from those relationship-led books, which I think are very natural when you're in your 20s and early 30s, yes. maybe before you've had a family, before you've had to sort of think in that horizontal way. No, yeah. no other way, vertical <laughs> way. Everything, everything's very much just, I'm here and I'm fascinated by that. But as yeah. I got older, I you know, became much more aware of my parents' generation and you yes. know, history and reflecting and then also mm. you know, producing a child and thinking about things from you know multi-generational point of view and yes. you get a richer deeper relationship with life yes it is, is reflected in and I guess as well the fears as well I mean in your mm. 20s you have a set yes. of fears but I, as you were saying you know as a mother and and so you know thinking of, of your own parents as well all the things we worry about now that we just would never have worried about then so have come to the fore in our novels yeah definitely I mean I've written two well but Lisa has had a, a couple of teens disappear now haven't yes. you Lisa probably I've had four a, I, four okay <laughs> <laughs> I've had a, I've had a, a, a five-year-old die mm. and you know I've, I've written a lot about um um, being bereaved when, yes. when a child dies and yeah. there's no way I would have even considered that as a as a fear before no. I was a, a parent myself yeah. I'm the yeah. same actually because I've got teenagers now mm. and so there are lots of teenagers appearing in my books <laughs> and a few years ago it was small kids and in my when I was in my 
late 20s early 30s and writing my books are all about childless couples yes so yeah it does kind of follow you your own life and I love the the relationship your your father teenage daughter relationships great in the hollows Mark I love that relationship I love the story that you got your your children involved to help you with them with Instagram terminology I thought yep I would need to do that too (laughs) yeah well they gave me a kind of TikTok tutorial when I started writing a book and I mean I don't use TikTok and I have no plans to Um, but <laughs> I've seen a lot of authors going on there recently, and I just kind of have to cover my eyes. But, oh, um, I've, I've been like, yeah. I've been told that that's the next thing that I have to do. Oh yeah, no! no resist, yeah. resist. Do you know I can't I, even do Instagram. The constant I, photos. I said I can't no. Do. No. But yeah, I mean, I I do get my my uh, daughters who are fourteen and fifteen involved in helping me plot my books do you the actual plotting that's brilliant yeah they're really good actually they help me solve some of the problems that I that I come up against oh wow family Um, endeavors my 14 year old watches my 14 year old watches criminal minds oh I love that show and she's always saying oh yeah this happened in criminal minds and maybe (laughs) she's constantly telling me all the things that I'd come up with that have already been done in criminal (laughs) (laughs) do you think that's interesting though that you said you collaborated because of course you previously worked with Louise Voss didn't you co-authoring was it at five books am I right of six six six, six books wow yeah. and so do you almost feel that you're the sort of author who needs that soundboard or enjoys it in terms of and I was wondering how yeah. that even worked and I've always wondered how co-authoring works in that respect you sort of well, well the great thing about working with Louise was that um I think when you're writing in isolation you often have no idea whether what you're writing is any good or not or whether the yes. idea is good or they're too over the top or yes silly and having that constant feedback from somebody else yeah and being able to talk through the problems yes was really helpful and now when I get stuck I I do find it really useful to have somebody to talk to so whether it's my wife yeah or my editor or or my daughter one of my daughters yeah even if it's just me talking at them for five minutes and then by the end of it I've got the answer just having yes. somebody to speak to makes just a big sample difference. and with co-authoring here's a question because I'm just reading it's the new Ellery uh, how do you say Ella, Ellery Ellery Lloyd the um yeah I forget what it's called the title but about Instagram and that's literally a co-author people book. like her there you go people like her. One. Yeah, very very good book um and clearly what's happening is um the husband's writing the male chapter so I'm assuming the husband wrote the male chapters and the wife mm. wrote, wrote the how did it work with with you and Louise did you take I mean did you have different perspectives in the book that you each took on board for yourselves yeah. well we wrote one it. book like that Killing yeah. Cupid the first one where we yeah. alternated male and female voices and yes. then the others we just had a we had a large cast of different points of view and we took different okay. characters each and okay. but sometimes we we would take it in turns to write the main character okay. and then our voices just kind of blended together and by the end uh-huh. I I can look at those books now and I can't tell which books I wrote and really sorry, which bits I wrote and which bits Louise wrote wow which really sort of indicates the teamwork doesn't it and that you were sort of so yeah. in tune with each other yeah amazing amazing yeah it's amazing amazing yeah absolutely so okay so let's um let's look at the suspense then we've talked a bit about suspense and building it through characterization and that kind of thing let's let's put it under spotlight the spotlight and just to sort of drill it down to it's actually absolute um can I speak or what today it's bare necessities there you go um and what what we actually mean by it and I found this lovely quote from a guy called uh, Brian Kelms and he says a murder is not suspense 
an abduction with the threat of murder is. And if I was to sing this as an exam question, I would then say, discuss. (laughs) 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 What do you think of that? Yeah. Well, I think think the murder is suspense. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Who committed the murder? Yeah. Yeah. If the person is still out there, if the murder is still out there and there's a chance they're going to murder somebody else, then. That's I, bags I of suspense. That's bad. Yeah. Yeah. I yes. disagree with, but did you say Brian? Brian. No. Yeah. Brian. Yeah. Counts. I disagree with him because um, particularly maybe, maybe that's a, a, a quote from the olden days because now structurally so many stories, mm. both TV and novels begin with a death. Yes. And it's a why done it. Yes. Or it, it might be a who done it as well, but it's often the kind of, um, you know, that period leading up to it. Mm. Um, and, you know, the, all of the, the unfolding tension there. Mm. Yeah. That is interesting. Like so, The yeah. Unforgotten, that TV series. The yes. Unforgotten. yes. Every single series began with the discovery of human remains. Yes. And all, all the suspense came from trying to work out who was involved and how they fitted into this. Oh, no, I, I disagree with Brian. Yeah. <laughs> and also, I guess I'm picking up on the why done it. Sometimes even when you know who the culprit is, it still can be very suspenseful, can't it? I mean, in terms of yeah. the psychology, why did they do it? Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I wrote a book called Then She Was Gone and I I I fingered them. Some of my favourite books of yours, Lisa. Oh, I love thank it. You. <laughs> very early on in the book, I make it very clear who was responsible for for the death or abduction of, of the of the teenage girl. Yeah. Um and lots of readers criticized it for they said it was predictable. Huh. And I don't see it like that. I don't no. see, okay, so we know that this woman was responsible for the, the abduction or the death of this girl, but mm. why on earth would a mass tutor? Yeah, <laughs> exactly, yeah. And why would they do that? And there, there's yeah. all the suspense, suspense and all the tension. Did and then you, sorry, I, have, I did love that book, but I read it years ago. Did you yeah. actually reveal that she was dead? Sorry, this is major spoiler if people haven't read it, maybe. <laughs> did you reveal no. that she was dead quite early on? Yes. No. no. No, that she's missing. She's been missing for 10 years. Yeah. So the suspense there is, is she still alive? She's still alive that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's the question, isn't it, in suspense, I guess, is the unanswered question. And I guess as an author, it's the continual piling on of questions. Is that is that fair? Do yeah, you think? I think so. I think you certainly yeah. whether or not you're doing it sort of consciously. And mm. I'm not sure that we're necessarily you know, sort of aware of the craft mm. as we do. It's very instinctive mm. as far as I'm concerned. Mm. Anyway. Yes. But every single every single story of mine will start with a question. In, yes. in the Heights, it's, um, you know, the, uh, um, this middle class, apparently very civilised woman who works as a lighting designer, spots a man on a roof terrace and is, you know, paralysed with horror because she assumed he was dead. Yes. And in the very first scene, she says, I know he's dead because I killed him. And so, you know, the question is, how if she's killed him what's he doing still alive on a roof terrace yeah. yes. also how did this this woman that we hopefully we can all relate to because she's you know seems very very yeah. um civilized what's she doing going around killing people yes got, right in the first scene you've got you know some big questions and I think that's probably yeah. all of our novels and then again it's character isn't it I mean as you're saying it's somebody we can identify with and that in itself is is the suspenseful part which yeah. is yeah I think that's something that Louise and I both do mm. and Lisa to an extent yeah. is you take kind of good nice people and then you see how far you can put how how far yeah. do they need to be pushed before they they crack yes and, <laughs> and I'm ready to create 
to commit it's evil grin on your face as you say it mark yeah. <laughs> what can i do to my characters <laughs> yeah and that's part of the that's part of the joy of writing these kind of books is that yeah. you, you create this really nice person and then you torture them <laughs> <laughs> absolutely yeah well they get to kind of um enact those kind of primitive knee-jerk emotions that we have in different yeah. situations whereas normally and, you would just yeah. be like well obviously i'm not going to go and get revenge yeah. by killing yeah. that person but yes. in a novel you can take it that step further yeah. when you start to, you you know your rational sort of sense starts to malfunction yes. I mean, i'm sure we've all had those fantasies on commute packed commuter trains yeah. and in long <laughs> supermarket checkout queues <laughs> when someone, criti- well, when someone comes back and criticizes our panels yes we've got, <laughs> got those primitive desires for revenge yeah yeah, um, but that's how I started out with the magpies. It was because I'd had these terrible neighbours who'd made my life a misery. And the the starting point for that book was, what would I have done if it had got much, much worse yeah. and had actually got dangerous? How far would I have had to be pushed before I kind of tried to strike back or do something? And that's that was the whole premise of the book, and I just took it from there. Your neighbours need to watch out, don't they, Mark? <laughs> <laughs> well. He's probably in a detached house now. <laughs> he's, he's moved. So in that sense, they're quite cathartic, aren't they, to write crime novels? I mean, if we're acting out out of our darkest fantasies or <laughs> revenge, revenge fantasies in Mark's case. <laughs> I guess but I wonder as well I mean picking up on that point also about and I I mean all of you write about people that we could know I mean none of us or you guys have written sort of you know the sort of the the horned monsters so much have you I mean the maths teacher the 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 neighbours whatever and do you think then there's an element of the part of the suspense isn't just what the characters are going to do but the suspense literally a suspense for the reader what would I do in that situation and maybe that's what makes it even more compelling do you reckon um yeah, I, that's, that's that's not what motivates me when I'm when I'm writing. I don't. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not trying to get readers to imagine what they would do. I'm completely embedded in the character and the, and what the character would do. I'm not thinking yes. about what I would do or what yes. the reader would do or what okay. any Tom, Dick, or Harry would do. I'm just thinking, what would this person <laughs> who I've created and I'm, mm. I'm you know following them on their journey through the story? What would they do? Yeah, so yeah. that's my only motivation. A- yeah. There's a there's a, a common thing that you see in Amazon reviews and Goodreads reviews is where people say, well, I would never have done that. Yeah. So therefore, this book is rubbish. And they and that's I find that really frustrating because people you've got to put yourself into the footsteps of that character and not just think. Yes. Um, well, I wouldn't go down into that that cellar, that dark yeah. cellar. Um, but if the character didn't do that, then there wouldn't be a story. Yeah, exactly. So, everything is in a novel. The whole point of it is everything's heightened. Yes. If yeah. real life was like our novels, then, you know, we'd all be, you know, there'd be bodies strewn in some, <laughs> everywhere. Wouldn't we'd so, never come out of our yeah. houses. <laughs> so I really think of, I think of what I'm doing as um, showing overreactions. Yes, that's interesting. Um, yeah. And um, and I definitely have that instinct myself, which I try not to act on. So. Um, so it is, I think there is a form of therapy to it, both yeah. in the writing and the reading of it. For me, anyway, yes. I really enjoy exploring um, those malfunctioning emotions. Yes. And, you know, I can only assume that readers 
have the same instincts and if they don't then as Mark says then you, you know it's a leap of imagination and that's what it's all about I mean yes. you don't want to read your own experience you want no. to read a yeah. fantastically constructed other experience absolutely there is um, also there is also a, a, a an important skill involved in writing these sort of slightly heightened um experiences that our characters have of knowing when to stop as well yes yes because you know yeah. then you're going to lose the reader entirely um mm. if, if you tip over into melodrama um, yeah yeah. Or people behaving out of character is massively yeah. important to make sure that however far you push your characters and however mm. badly they mm. behave, that it's all within the parameters of the of the sort of person that, that you have shown them yeah. shown them to be. So I think part of it is not just letting the brakes off and just letting mm. it happen yeah. just, for, just yeah. for thrills and and yeah. <laughs> and giggles. Yeah. Um, it, you you have to know when to stop, and you can feel it in your yeah. gut. You just know. Yes. And I've quite often written myself back. I've written a few sentences and just thought, oh, no, 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 no. And then you kind mm. of like reverse a little bit and just get back onto sort of slightly safer ground. Yes. Yeah. And it can be more powerful anyway, can't it? Mm. That kind of, you know, the more subtle, unspoken yeah. stuff rather than, you know, this sort of gruesome, violent ending. Yes. And funny you should say that, Lisa, about writing yourself back because of the book I'm writing at the moment, I've sort of reached the, the final throws. And um, and uh, and I ha- I've I've ch- I've changed the ending because it just it did feel melodramatic and yes. I've got a much quieter ending and I'm much happier with it because it is much more it's much more me it's much more about dramatic mm. irony rather than mm. a sort of crazy murder and I had mm. I mean, my husband is my researcher and I'd literally briefed him I need to kill someone at the end can you give me you know five easy ways where you know a sort of an amateur can dispatch someone without being caught which you know turns out to be incredibly hard now in with um forensics and cctv everywhere i mean there just isn't an easy way to murder but mm. i just came to the conclusion that i don't need that murder um and the book will be better without it yes so um so i think that's an excellent point that you know knowing when to stop and isn't yeah. it interesting all the books within our books that never got written all the all those paths we could have taken yes didn't. and uh yeah the deleted scenes yeah do the you, deleted do you scenes. Store... actually you've said before you don't really have deleted scenes do you so many I used to yeah. I used to I think my I used to copy and paste all my deleted scenes into another document and they were often yeah. about they were often about half the size of the finished book <laughs> yes um but now they're usually I've usually only got about six or seven pages of deleted scenes by the time I get oh to the my end god of the book. I'm I would say that I have the one I'm writing at the moment, the deleted scenes are twice as long as the actual book. Oh, my word. Wow. I think it's the most inefficient way of writing ever. But this <laughs> book has just been an absolute nightmare. Why don't you make them into a book nightmare. of short stories? Why don't you create short That's stories out of them? Yeah, I think I can get at least a novella out of <laughs> the, the, the deleted scenes because there's a whole thread that isn't going to be used. And I think I can actually take turn that into something self-contained mm. so it's not all wasted yeah I don't yeah, think these nice. things are ever wasted though I wrote a novel and it's um just before the one that's coming out shortly and I spent ages on it I've spent longer on that living novel than on anything else I've written and it just wasn't working and in the end I've just you know I've had to put it to one side and accept that and obviously there's the frustration of giving up time but I think you learn from everything you do uh, and everything you choose not to do yeah. Exactly. And you, and you will be able to cannibalize it. You will be able yeah. to. Um, I mean, I've literally just done that. There was um, mm-hmm. the other passenger had a whole strand in it 
that I was my favorite bit. It was a subplot. And everyone who read the book at the first draft said, there's only one thing I don't understand, and it's named this strand. So I Mm. removed it in the end, um, reluctantly. But I've just inserted it into my new book, and it just Uh works so well. It's the first time I've been able to do that, yeah. So you just Um, changed bits and names or what how does that work no I mean I have it's not literally the the same scenes but the the sub the it's about it's about sort of um those ancestry DNA tests got you um and so um and it didn't really add anything to the other passenger but it really adds something quite tense to um to the book I'm writing at the moment so I think you just yeah I think you you might be able to reuse stuff and it will be better um, yes, in its new home. You can yeah. strip it for parts. Strip yes, it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, Why not? Because they're often really good subplots or good mm. ideas yeah. or even a whole character, but they're just in the wrong in the wrong place, and it's all about things in the right order, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. I was just um, thinking actually that Louise and I had a whole strand about you know paedophile hunters, those guys who kind of entrap paedophiles by posing yes. online as teenage yeah. girls. And then kind of meet them and hand them over to the police. We had a whole strand in one of our books about that, and we wrote loads, and then we just dropped the whole thing. And I keep thinking that could be the basis for a new book because yeah. I don't think Definitely. anyone's done it, or maybe well, I don't know. Anyone. I haven't heard of anybody doing that. No. It's really interesting. But now you've just said that in front of me and Louise. Yeah. (laughs) And our listeners. So they're all picking up their pens. Yeah. (laughs) I'm jealous that you did the incel thing because that's such a great topic. Yeah. 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 That was brilliant. It's going to be. You did it so well because you brought real sympathy to. It's Owen, isn't it? The character. Owen. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah. He's one of my favorite characters of yours, Lisa. And yet he's got, you know, really quite a dark sort of story. That was Invisible Girl, wasn't it? That was Invisible Girl. Yeah. Yeah. But that was one of those things as well. So I introduced him into the, this this lonely guy into the world of the incel forum, but had no idea of how far I was going to let him go down that road and how much he would become radicalized and how mm. things might get. And it was that whole thing that you do as a writer with your foot on the pedal on and off the gas on and off yes. the gas yeah. and just feeling your way. Yeah. Mm. Without yeah. spoilers, I won't say where. But how far Owen decides to go with the incel thing, but it is—it's just so interesting. Yeah, I love the that, scene like... where he goes and meets the um the guy in the in the pub or a bar, yeah, yeah. and sort of you know gets indoctrinated. Yeah, and um, it's just such a subtle scene, mm. really fantastic. And is yeah. that's I mean that's a really good example, isn't it, of how you build tension through having a kind of sympathetic character, kind of straying into this world that they don't really mm-hmm. understand and mm-hmm. they, they're they're either putting themselves in danger or what they're doing is going to be putting other people in danger mm-hmm. so um yeah that's that's a really good good example yeah. I think there's going to be a wave of incel books well I had yeah. to every single time I talked about that book um I had to explain to my audience what an incel was. Oh, good. I'm um, so glad you said that because yeah. I'm nodding along as if I know what you're talking about and I don't. Can you please explain <laughs> <that>? <laughs> Victoria, where were you? It's the guy when that man killed all those people in Portsmouth. Oh, is yeah, that? Yeah, he okay. was an incel. So it it's, was it's all over the papers. Voluntary yeah. celibacy, isn't it? Oh, okay. Yes. Okay, so, now I know what you mean. Okay. Yes. And Sorry. then suddenly I got I got all this stuff in my inbox saying, oh, God, now, yes, you wrote about this, didn't you? I was like, yes, I did write about this. And nobody okay. knew what I was talking about. 
and now sadly and unfortunately everybody does apart from Victoria Um, well I do now (laughs) I do now (laughs) there's a okay here's a question I've written down and it's something I don't know if this bothers you but it certainly bothers me um the idea of referring to a novel as a suspense novel does that bug you shouldn't all novels in one way or another even romantic novels Lisa be be suspenseful isn't that what storytelling is Oh, I I can't get myself into knots about the way that books are described and the way mm. genres are described. And yeah. I've been described, my books have been described as absolutely everything under the sun since I first started writing. And I've had endless, endless conversations about chick lit and what have you. Yeah. Um, and is it domestic noir? Is it psychological thriller? And where do all the little subgenres fit in? And yeah. and I frankly, I, I don't mind. I don't mind what my books are called. And mm. I think suspense is as good a, a descriptor as mm. as any anything else, really. I'm, I think maybe some, maybe Mark or, or Louise have a different viewpoint, but I can't. I can't get worked no, up about chilled. it. I'm very chilled. I don't care. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I would describe. I usually say psychological thriller, but mm. then sometimes psychological suspense or domestic noir or domestic suspense, yeah. I mean, and it yeah. kind of depends on the audience that you're talking to I think the average person who buys their books in supermarkets probably doesn't even use those terms at all they just might think thriller or crime that's probably about as far as they they yeah yeah it's true it's all nice to yeah yeah it's just an industry term yeah it is I um I just make up my own now um each time I write a book I (laughs) I pay what it is so um neighborhood passage, noir yeah the, yeah <laughs> the other pass, suburban noir the other passenger I, I said was um commuter noir nice. and then the heights I'm describing as revenge noir so I think I do like noir yes as, <laughs> um, as a descriptor but um the whole thing is absolutely insane I mean yeah. it's like exactly the same as as Lisa I've, my books have been have had maybe a hundred different labels yes um yeah. from comedy to you know sort of bleak crime and yeah. yet, you know, it, that's a massive spectrum. And I think in the end, a good book will have all of those elements. There's yes, always humour in all of our books. Yes. Um, and, um, you know, and yes, there should, to answer your question, a good book, whatever its genre, will have suspense in it. And it will yeah. also have psychology in it. Yes. So psychological yes. suspense. I mean, all books are psychological. Suspense, yes. If they're about humans. Yes. And something <laughs> happens that we're interested in. Yes. So it is. It's industry labels, as Mark said. Yes. And um, yeah. we, can't, we can't be caught up in it. No. It, is, it just strikes me as weird, though. That's all, I guess. And going back as well to what you guys were saying about feet on the gas and, and, and sort of feeling your way into a novel, um, which obviously then begs the question, pantser or plotter, do you do you find, I mean, I personally, I can't start a novel unless I know where it's going, although I end up <laughs> stopping off at many pit stops on the way. Do you do you tend to let your novels flow organically? Do you, do you plot carefully first? What's... And is that part of building suspense? Do you need to do you need to have a roadmap to to know to be able to build the tension? Do you think? Well, I'm Who are you asking? Yeah, I'm asking yeah. all of you. <laughs> I'm, dead. I'm a pantser. I know I know Lisa's a pantser. I'm not sure about Louise. Are you a pantser? I'm a plotter, but I'm a loose a plotter. plotter. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I just I can't plot before I start writing it to me because it just seems like like emotionless dull words on a page there's no character Mm. there's no inner thoughts there's nothing there's no no setting it's just just seems mechanical I just can't Mm. do it I have Mm. to write thousands of words before the plot starts really working 
And yeah. that's why I have this very inefficient word <laughs> wasting <laughs> way. The <laughs> extra novel at the end of every novel. Yeah. It may not be inefficient yeah. if you're getting your novellas out of it, Mark. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's yeah, I mean, I I don't think there's any best way to work. It's just what, what, what works, works for you. For and you. this is just the way the way I, I work best is that mm. there's a lot of writing and a lot of deleting and a lot of mm. And I, I, I know, sorry, I'm going to put words into Lisa's mouth now because I heard you said that you you put, you put throw lots of things in not knowing whether you're going to use them later, don't you? You put lots of elements into the plot. Well, it's not that I don't know if I'm going to use them later. I assume I'm going to use them later. I, 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 I commit to them. I write the thing okay. without any reason, uh, without any idea of why I've written it down, and I assume because no, I'm not going to go back and rewrite I'm not going to go back and rewrite it. So by hook or by crook, I'm going to make that thing work. Oh, wow. You don't go over after it. <laughs> no. And, and wow. this is what, you, what you're saying, Mark, about all the words that you throw away or, or, or yeah, strip for, strip for parts. Hmm. Um, and I'm doing that less and less, um, certainly over the last three or four books. I'm, I'm right. doing much less of that. And there's there's this sense I can I can feel. I can feel when I'm about to write myself into a corner or go off on the right, wrong tangent. And I just stop. And the other day I did it. Um, and I was just sitting there thinking, this feels wrong. This feels wrong. This feels wrong. And I went off and I watched four back-to-back episodes of Cooking with Paris. Rather, <laughs> rather than to continue, I just thought, no, if I carry on down this road, I'm going to end up having to delete the whole of my next chapter because this is, I'm going off. In the, and so I felt it. And then I came back to it the next day and I knew exactly. And I took some steps back. Only yeah. like four, four or five sentences rather than two chapters. I took a couple of steps backwards and I started going forwards again. So that, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at in my writing. And I'm saying this and now it's going to go horribly wrong because I said that. <laughs> but I've got a much stronger instinct of when I'm about to write myself into having to delete thousands. But your subconscious mm-hmm. is doing that, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, I think I think we're obviously all quite instinctive because one point Mm. worth making might be that um, I I know I can tell the difference when I'm doing a panel or I'm talking to another author where they have done a creative writing course and um, everything's seen. I feel I have imposter syndrome then because I don't know any of the terms they're using. I don't um, I don't have that kind of craft. Yes. And, um, you know, sort of writing in terms of acts, for instance, it wouldn't occur to me to do that. It's all yeah. just based on what I what feels like a good story. Yes. Um, and so perhaps because none of us have have done one of those novel writing courses, we're just mm-hmm. not aware that um, you can do it in a in a very technical way. We're yeah. doing it instinctively. Yes. Um, so you know whether or not that brings an extra richness I mean clearly people mm. enjoy reading reading the book so something's working yes. working well but I'm, I feel very aware when I talk to someone who's who's um, done you know one of those famous yeah. mm. novel writing courses mm. they, they seem to know much more about the sort of structure of yes. novels than I do yeah. even with an English degree and 15 novels under my belt I yeah. um I still feel like I you know it's all I'm making it up as I go along yes which I is know. Good. I've tried to yeah. read those books yeah. that tell you about the hero's journey and yes <laughs> and midpoint and I get halfway through chapter one and I just throw it aside and say, I just want to go and write. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Learning yeah. all this exactly. stuff. I just want to read books. Yes. You learn stuff by reading and yeah. watching films and TV shows. Yeah, definitely. definitely. And that's all you need. You don't need to. No. Creative writing 
Causes a load of rubbish. <laughs> load of rubbish. <laughs> I think that helps you. I think they're great. They're great for, the, for networking, to... and I think they're great yeah. for meeting for support, <laughs> and they're great for um, meeting agents and editors. Um, mm. And, you know, and maybe building confidence as well from that perspective, yeah. just to show yeah. you can do it. But I wonder. I mean, you were saying you got fifteen novels under your belt, Louise. I wonder if that's part of it as well. I mean, that that instinctiveness that one has—it's just from doing. The yeah. more you do, the better you get. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. As Lisa says, you can sense yeah. when it's not working, and you just stop. Um, yes, yeah. and you really it still can, gets harder, you? Mm. Yeah, we know it we've done gets... it before. We know it's going to mm. be fine, and we yes. know that um, you know we have lovely teams who are yes. patient and helpful and yeah. collaborative. So, so we do have that confidence. And, and I think I, what Mark said. Sorry, go on, Mark. I was just going to say that although the kind of your instincts and experience obviously improve or increase I, I still find each book increasingly challenging mm. partly because it's so hard to come up with different things that you haven't done before mm. that's a very so good point yeah. yeah it is it is yeah yeah it is really only so weird, many... isn't it? yeah but yeah. then look I've done four missing teenage girls so and, and maybe it doesn't matter maybe it doesn't matter if it's a whole new setting yeah. and a whole new mm. feel a whole different yeah. atmosphere and mm. yeah you're creating a whole world each time you write a novel and you can make that right. world feel like any sort of world you want it to feel like and so yes. maybe actually it doesn't matter if you keep repeating themes um yeah. you yeah. know and there are only so many crimes aren't there and there are only so yeah. many ways to um, surprise a reader I mean there yes. are so many sort of tricks yeah. um, and structural yeah. yes I, I went back through I look I think all my books have a red-headed woman a cat somebody <laughs> being pushed up a building a scene <laughs> in a hospital and a fire <laughs> <laughs> and that's my theme so this is, this is this is quite interestingly i interesting i currently have a, an academic writing a book about me writing my current book oh wow oh like the lead um, child oh, brilliant. Like, like the lead like child thing um, and so as part of his research he read my entire backlist in like four months and he oh. did send me an email with all my repeated motifs, all oh, wow. the things that I keep coming back to, like people being chained to radiators, for example. <laughs> um, and it, it was it was quite alarming. It's like, wow, I do just keep repeating the same wow. things. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? <laughs> I, know, I wonder where the radiator um, yeah. thing comes from. Yeah. Yes, exactly. What what thing in your subconscious is it tapping into? Oh, exactly. Yeah. You had a maybe bad it's, experience with central heating. Yes, <laughs> British gas. Yeah. Maybe at school you were forced to sit in the desk next to the radiator or something. <laughs> <laughs> or too far from it. Or too far from it, yes. Yeah. Exactly. But no, I don't think our readers notice. And I think I don't no. think you should worry too much about it, Mark. I think you should no. just I think you're telling a good Mark story. Yes, yeah. it's worth yeah. it. Doing something new is more something that I, I need for myself to keep mm. my own interest. But yes. I completely yeah. agree. I mean, it's, you know, it's rare for a reader to have read an entire backlist of an author anyway. Yes. So, um, you know, and, you know, who holds all of those plots and character names and characteristics? And I can't even hold my own in my head. Yeah, <laughs> so it's unlikely that someone's going to challenge us on it, yes. I think. Exactly. Okay, so talking about challenging, then I'm going to challenge you with a final question. Um, <laughs> it's my desert island, not this question. You guys are in this in this scenario writing a novel set on a desert island, a character stranded on a desert island. 
what would you put on this desert island to increase the stake stroke, raise the tension stroke, <laughs> build suspense, <laughs> nice and broad? <laughs> I think I would um, definitely have spooky music. Nice. Because music's really important in my books and the characters often, you know, I often mention mm. songs and, and characters have a certain kind of musical taste. And so it's really um, a key element of, of drama and suspense for me. So I'd have some, it would be almost the opposite of The Tempest where you've got the sweet music. It would be some extremely scary um, Jaws-like um, music, I think. And that would be totally unnerving the character um, you know, just as they start to relax, you know, this this horrible sort of sound effect will will start up again. A bit like Lost, I guess. I was just going yeah. to say, I was thinking, was that was it like a growling? What was the noise? Yes. Oh, it was the growling, it wasn't it? Yes. Pulling. Or in this yes. case, the road drill. That I don't know if you can hear yeah. going in the background here, which I'm so sorry. <laughs> Um, I, I think were. I would, oh, sorry. No, go sorry, for it, go for it if you've got an idea. Elbowed my way in there. No, because I was very, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm quite glad that I do have an idea. Um, <laughs> I, I think a really interesting thing that you could bring on to somebody um, isolated on a, on a desert island is, and it maybe is to do with growling noises, is the sort of gaslighting thing mm. where something or someone, there's a voice or there's clues keep turning up. Yes. Um, or things keep moving, but uh, the character is it has to yeah the character is not sure whether they are imagining things or going ah. mad or if there is somebody else on the island with them. Oh, I love that idea. Yeah maybe, sure. yeah, maybe they built their hut and they go off foraging or whatever, and they come back and the hut is like a couple of meters down. Yes, that sort of thing. Yeah. Oh, very good. Yeah, yeah that whole thing of items going missing and yes. moving around and <laughs> yeah. foot, footprints in the sand is the obvious one, isn't it? Exactly. I was yes. just thinking maybe they keep seeing a boat on the horizon or something and it seems it never seems to come closer and they don't yeah. or things being washed up on the shore like mysterious objects. That's nice. Hallucinations. Um, I think hallucinations could be used to good effect. Yeah. yeah. That sort of loss of mind, yeah. which I think you would get if you were isolated yeah. and, yes. and in solitude. Yeah. Yes, you don't know what's I real mean, and what's not on the side. Yeah. yeah. If it was one of my books, I'd have to crow bar in a red-headed woman. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Might be so hard for Lucy to get a radiator in there. Yeah, Yeah, there'd be a yeah. You need a radiator. Maybe maybe the redheaded um, hero's um, hair color would gradually start to change. There you go. And then one day she wakes up and she's a brunette, and she's not sure if she's gone mad or not. Yeah, (laughs) all sorted. And the radio they find uh, they look at they see their reflection and it's not them, it's not who <gasps> they think they are when they look in the reflection. Oh, yeah, yes. you see, yeah. we should do this. Good. Good. This is very it. good, yes, <laughs> this is better than lost. Yes, but well, yes, anything's better than lost. How <laughs> I, I would actually, I would like to write a book set on a desert island. I read The Castaways recently, Lucy Clark, is it, and where the plane crashes on an island. Uh. And uh, yeah, that was, I really like that kind of setting where you have people yeah. stranded, yes. stranded somewhere, a plane crash or a boat. I love that. I've just you read Lord of the Flies a... with my son. So yeah, <laughs> I was just that. thinking, yeah, Lord of the Flies, you know, mm. that kind of, you know, how quickly. Yeah, you it's a feral. great, yeah. such yeah. a great setting. And uh, what's the Tom Hanks 
Oh, um, it was Castaway. That was Castaway. Yeah. Castaway. It was called yeah. Castaway. Yeah. yeah. It's basically just him talking to a volleyball, isn't it? It's kind yeah. Of... <laughs> but it works. I mean, that movie, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Nothing much happens, but it's terribly suspenseful. No. But you yeah. do yeah, you do have to have um, a sort of um, parallel plot showing the outside mm. world, though. Otherwise, it's yes. just too claustrophobic, I think. Mm. Um, yeah. Unless that's what you're going for with your hallucinations and so on, maybe. Yeah. It's amazing how much, sorry, this is about suspense, isn't it? How much suspense they create with his love for Wilson, his volleyball. Yes. And I think it floats away at the end. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the suspense. It. That's your worried, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. you're worried the ball. And then, so then, then what happens? <laughs> so that's like yeah. my dog on a walk. Hasn't <laughs> he used blood to do the face on the yes. ball? Yes. Or if I... No, yeah. he does. It's, there's, blood. there's very dark, a lot of dark in it. Yeah. 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 That's a strange friend. <laughs> is he ever going to find a razor to shave off that beard? I mean, there's so much tension. Oh, yes, that was that was for the viewer, though, wasn't it, as well? <laughs> Get rid of the beard. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for coming on today. This was a really great chat. It was so lovely to have you all. Thank oh, you for thank having you. us. It's been brilliant. Thank you so much. It's been wonderful. Yes. been listening to on the sofa with victoria at crime time fm if you've enjoyed the show please do subscribe rate and review on itunes and join in the chat on twitter using the hashtag on the sofa with victoria or drop me a line at victoria selman i'd love to hear from you and hope you'll join me next